Uh, welcome back to the COVID episode. Girls gone spooky. Post COVID episode. Oh, yes. Yeah, COVID well, has struck. Everyone, COVID has <laughs> struck us. Uh-huh. We've been smote by COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for your patience, mm-hmm. dear listeners. Yes. Um, we <laughs> both got very sick. Amy definitely had COVID. I maybe had COVID. Who knows? Because uh-huh. uh-huh. apparently Omicron is like tests. Yeah. Dodged it. Dodged um, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's true. Unclear. But yeah. we're very excited to be back on our bullshit. Uh-huh. Very excited. <laughs> and feeling better. Feeling better. Very happy that Amy can kind of breathe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> breathe as well as usual, which is yeah. subpar. But uh-huh. it's fine. It's, it's fine. true. Yeah. Um, and we have an exciting announcement. An upcoming episode is going to be recorded <laughs> live in paradise, a.k.a. Mexico. So gird your fucking loins, whip Ew. out your bikinis <laughs> in solidarity, uh-huh. and let's fucking go. I'm so excited. I know. Um, it doesn't even feel real. I'm no, it doesn't so feel real. thrilled. Yeah. When's the last time we saw each other? Kayla's bachelorette? No. I came to Austin. What was after that? Oh, um, that's right. That's right. That was the last time. It's been a year. I think that was in <gasps> March. So almost a year. Yeah, it was. It was. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It was right after I'm we so got excited. vaccinated, I remember. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So exciting. Great. I'm going to smother you. Oh, same. the shit out of you on a beach. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. There are two bedrooms in this first place we're staying, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to sleep separately from you. No. <laughs> sleep no. over. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to fall asleep watching The Office or something. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like, we got to we gotta do it OG style, you uh-huh. know? Exactly how Cal Poly, go Stangs. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exactly. Go stangs in that in that creepy back bedroom of yours. Amy's <laughs> <laughs> bedroom in college in our like junior senior year house was literally detached from the house. You had to go outside to get into her. I loved when I it. Think back on that, I know you did. And when I think back on it, I'm like, I could never have lived in that room. I would have been creeped the <laughs> fuck out all the time well yeah it was like a glass box basically because it was windows right. on every wall but <laughs> i just luckily in the daytime yeah i really liked it though and i think i would have been more creeped out if there was a gate into the backyard uh but that's true oh yeah there wasn't have, one yeah you would have had to either come down that giant hill <laughs> in the back yeah or somehow right. get through the house to get back there right so good, i felt good fine. i'm yeah. in there you just <laughs> so, get through me first yeah. you might have been in more danger than i was <laughs> yeah i was at the front yeah yeah was it true like remember when we one of our neighbors had these like very weird like heads like cement <laughs> heads in their garden and one time we were in the yard and there was one just buried in the Uh yard and we were like uh (laughs) what's that yeah no (laughs) so alarming that was off-putting so off-putting what that was a nice little neighborhood though 
overall. That was. I liked it. We called we called our house the Cookie Monster because it was blue, mm-hmm. and we all are cookie love monsters. Cookies. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we so love good. cookies. Mm-hmm. It is Plain very and simple. Um, Plain and simple. Yeah, I think so. We definitely have to brainstorm about what Mexican themed topics mm-hmm. to discuss. So no spoilers for you. <laughs> spooky bees but we (laughs) that will be coming we'll probably have yeah we'll have one more episode before that episode Mm -hmm. so oh my god it's so soon i know (laughs) so excited (laughs) i'm freaking out (laughs) i know yeah Um, freaking out yeah so we're just trying to like really extend the anticipation for (laughs) ourselves because us yeah. going to Mexico isn't that exciting for you all. I recognize yeah. that, but let us live, you know? I hope it's uh, infectious, though. <laughs> me too. I mean, if you can hear how giddy we are, like, I have chills. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I, I feel like I could just, like, projectile vomit. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> I'm going to give I myself an asthma but... attack. Because <laughs> like, I'm, like, hyperventilating. Wheezing. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, wow. We're thrilled. Yeah. Well, back to present day. Yes. Today, we're discussing spooky hikes. It <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, feels like a really funny topic, but I will say, I almost feel like we're going to need to revisit this topic because I found so much stuff. Yeah. I was thinking the same. I found a lot, but then also, I was like... Mm-hmm. I've been overwhelmed trying to get back to real life from mm-hmm. COVID. And totally. so I found other people's stories and that's what I'm relying on today. Ooh, I love that. I love that. I research. Love that. I love that. I like did like half research, half well, it's all research, I guess, but like half of them are Reddit stories. And I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell all of them, because honestly I do think we could do a part two. Okay. Um there are just so many. So we'll see time permitting how much I can get through, but I have like pages. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Okay. Last episode, I went first. So it is all you, AK. Okay. Cool. So yeah, like I said, these are other people's stories. So I need to give big credit to them, Um, but I'll do that as I tell them. Exactly. Amazing. So also, I remember that in our last episode, um, when we mentioned that this was going to be our topic, I had mm-hmm. two like non-supernatural scary hike stories come mm. to my mind. Mm-hmm. I think I told one of them, but the second one is this. So Ooh. I unfortunately, I don't have the original author's name because mm-hmm. my source for this was, of course, my favorite murder. <laughs> Um, mm, yes, 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 yes. It was episode 61, if you want to listen to mm-hmm. it. And Karen, who's one of the hosts of that show, when she tells this story, she just says that she found it on Reddit and oh, okay. didn't give a name. So this is a Reddit story. And yeah. Karen, also in the episode, she acknowledges that with this being from Reddit, there's like a 50-50 chance <laughs> that this is yeah, true. Um, totally. But believe what you will. So, okay. This storyteller 
um, it's about his parents. So when they were younger um, and like first meeting, they went on a date that was a midnight mm-hmm. hike in Provo Canyon in Utah. And mm-hmm. they decided to go hiking without flashlights, just going by the light of the <laughs> stars and the moon. Um, yeah, irresponsible. But the dad said he knew the area really well because he was a avid hiker and rock climber and that was his favorite spot. So they felt secure doing that. However, on this particular night that they were hiking, they both had kind of a bad feeling about something, just like a instinct coming up. But dude, yeah, they, you turn back, you turn back. I know, but I think they were both ignoring it probably because they were trying to impress each other. Like it's one of their first oh, dates, they were first you know, dating. Oh, yeah, shit. They're like, okay, okay, I'm okay. cool. That, that changes it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I'm just so chill. Like I yeah, hike at so midnight. <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm a cool girl. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they ignored it and continued, but the dad started to get like even more of a bad feeling when they were approaching this forested area, Mm -hmm. still ignored it and took some steps in there. And it becomes very dark because now they're under the tree cover right? and they don't have any light. And he steps on something soft in the middle of the pathway. No. And Mm -hmm. obviously that's, weird because you might step on a rock or something but it'd be hard (laughs) not soft so as soon as that happens they're like no we gotta go now finally (laughs) they listen to their instinct so they leave without looking at what it is and make it out okay but years later that couple they're watching tv and an interview comes on with Ted Bundy, who is no. <laughs> if you don't know, absolutely not. The yeah, like maybe the most infamous serial killer, just absolutely horrible person. If um, you don't know who Ted Bundy is, by the way, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. No. Go on the internet right now and educate yourself because. <laughs> Are you okay if you don't know who that is? Yeah. Okay, except for maybe our international listeners. You guys, it's okay. But do look it up because he's like, if you're into that kind of thing, it's like very Uh interesting. Yeah, he's horrible. And also like, I don't want to speak on this because I'm not a psychologist, but like he seems like the perfect depiction of a psychopath or a sociopath. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. But- Anyway, in this interview, the interviewer asks if there was a time where he felt like he was really close to being caught. And Ted answers that he had lured one of his victims up into Provo Canyon one night, which actually this canyon was a known, this is a horrible way to put it, but like dumping ground of his for remains. So he did frequent this area anyway. Um, but I guess he had lured one of his victims up there and just minutes after murdering her, he heard people coming up the trail. (laughs) So he hid in a stand of trees and he heard them step on the body. 
but then turn around and leave <laughs> without doing anything. So I oh. don't know if that's true. Either way, oh. <laughs> an amazing story. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, uh-huh. I'm like, I'm having a hard time like bodily processing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. He stepped on your squishy dead body, dude. Yeah. Fuck. I know. Yeah. And like freshly dead. Like, okay so then here's the question though like on the sorry i just like really got like (laughs) serious about this for a second Uh um the fact that they both had a bad feeling about it like you know i feel like in hindsight it's easy to say like oh i had a bad feeling we both had a bad feeling about Mm -hmm. it that night like but if that is true because that does happen when people are in situations where they're like ooh. Mm-hmm. Bad vibes, bad vibes, yeah. bad vibes. Like, gotta yeah. get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. What do we think that is? Like, I don't know. I don't, like, that's just so weird. It's... Like, is it someone like reading energy, or is there like maybe something in the air? Like, they mm-hmm. literally can smell the death somehow, oh. like in a very subtle way. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Which it's is a horrifying thought. Yeah, it's like just mm-hmm. a sixth sense. Like, we yeah. talked about. Whenever we were talking about dogs, I can't remember yeah. what episode that was. Yeah. Where they're able to sense things before they happen. I mean, we must have a little bit of that if we can recognize right. when we're in situations that yeah. are dangerous. So dude, I don't that's know. That's insane. Yeah. And <laughs> so freaking creepy, dude. Yeah. I hate it. But yeah. Anyway, that's not ghosty, but it's scary as hell. So it's <laughs> that's scary as hell. Yeah. Um, the first of the two non-scary ones was that the one where the girls were going and you could see the guy in the mm-hmm. background of the video. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's on our last episode, episode sixteen, I think. So yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're interested in revisiting that, go yeah. Ahead. And if you want, you can find that video of the man walking behind them, but it's really uncomfortable and sad so (laughs) maybe wouldn't recommend remind me did did they know he was there and they were videoing him well they so unfortunately they found the girls bodies so they don't know the full story but they were guessing that they were probably filming because they knew Mm. he was back there yeah and they were creeped out yeah because the angle of it is like they were both in the shot, but it was more focused on the background mm-hmm. where the man was walking. So it wasn't like their mm-hmm. faces. Okay, centered. so it wasn't like a selfie of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was, yeah. Uh, awful. <clears throat> okay. Well, now we'll get to a ghosty one. Um, Yay. But yeah, this is another, again, somebody else's story. And I, of course, heard this on a podcast <laughs> called spooked um which i think you listen to right yeah yeah on occasion okay it's so good and it's kind of similar i guess to what we do but it's just people writing in with their own stories Mm -hmm. so this one really stuck with me um because it came out like three years ago and i think i listened to it shortly Mm -hmm. after that but i still remember (laughs) like all the details yeah so anyway Um, This story comes from a man named Shane Dunphy, and he's a social worker in Ireland. Mm. And he 
was working with a little boy um, whose name was Gregory. And he was called to work with Gregory because the little boy had been sneaking off into the forest every night. Um, And he says that he's going there to meet his friend Thomas. So (laughs) this also... Bro. That's a rough start. Yeah. I would also like to say that this is kind of a loose loosely associated with our topic um because it's about like a forest and a path that goes into the forest but i'll allow it that's a hike (laughs) yeah they're not hiking he wasn't hiking but it could be a hike (laughs) exactly that's exactly i'll take it okay perfect so he goes in there to meet his friend thomas and so when shane the social worker first meets Mm -hmm. Gregory. He's asking him all these questions about how did you meet Thomas? Who is he? And Gregory's answer to how they met was that he heard Thomas calling to him from the Mm -hmm. edge of the forest, which their house backs up to this forest. And classic. Yeah. (laughs) Gregory's window faces the forest so when you look out you can see the very edge so he heard thomas yelling his name so he looked out and that's how their relationship began okay Um, anyone who's read jerusalem's lot or salem's lot by stephen king (laughs) if you know you know that is like almost cut and pasted out of that book. <laughs> really? It's not not mm. quite, but like the house backing up to the woods, the name being called to the window. Mm. There's like a specific scene in Salem's Lot, which is like my hands down favorite book of all time that <laughs> is so oh. just like bone chilling mm-hmm. and I'm already so creeped out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> for this story i'm here for it i'm leaning in okay well here we go so once he knows this shane as a social worker he obviously cares a lot for children so his immediate thought was thomas might need my help um can you take uh, me to him but gregory says no thomas does not like adults so he can't bring shane to meet him So then two weeks after this initial meeting, Shane gets a call from a police officer who notifies him that Gregory was just found deep in the forest um, after sneaking out the night before, presumably to go see Thomas. And when... Like he was found the next day? Like he spent the whole night in the woods? Yes. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. I'd be like, get a priest. Get a priest in here. This isn't okay. (laughs) Something's wrong. Yeah, I know. His poor mom, she was... Oh, my God. Horrified through this whole story. So, yeah. Um, Then Shane asks him, why did you go out there and why did you stay out there so long? And Gregory said that he was playing hide-and-seek with Thomas. And when they find him in the forest, he apparently, Gregory says that Thomas is still standing nearby, but no one could find any trace of him. So they just took Gregory home, but then the police were just searching around to check out the scene. And they find two sets of footprints underneath 
Gregory's bedroom window. So. <laughs> I was going to say maybe he's like schizophrenic or something like that, but yeah. what? Yeah, there are two sets. So now they're like, okay, this is bizarre. Um, right. And after this incident, Shane, the social worker, he tells Gregory's mom to put padlocks on all the doors um, and hide the keys so that Gregory mm-hmm. can't get out anymore at night. Right. And so as they continue working together, Gregory starts opening up more to Shane about who Thomas is and like mm-hmm. what they do together. And Gregory explains that Thomas enjoys playing these certain games on a specific gaming console um, and that his favorite show is the A-Team. And mm. all of Thomas's favorite things were popular in the 80s, which oh. strikes Shane as being really odd because Gregory is only like 10 years old and yeah. it's 2007 at this point. So... It's like, Weird. where is he getting yeah. these references? Retro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, after Gregory tells him that, he is like, wait, also, how are you finding these things out? Like, how are you still playing games together? And Gregory says that now Thomas is coming inside the house. And no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Absolutely. Fucking not. Yeah. Oh. No. But, yeah, he said... The language he used was that he would wake up and Thomas would be in his bedroom. So it was... Absolutely fucking not, dude. (laughs) No, you move. You pack up. You fucking leave. Exit. It's fun. Yeah. No. But, okay. So he said it as if Thomas is just showing up. But later, the mom finds that the window is open. So... Mm-hmm. It's like Gregory is still letting him in. It's not like he's just okay, okay, appearing. Okay. But either way. Um, That's creepy as shit still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I don't want someone climbing in my window. Don't do that. No, definitely not. With permission only. Yeah, definitely not. So <sighs> after that happens, Gregory's mom sets up a video camera because she's like, Oh, this no. is not going to end well. <laughs> and so she captures some footage of Gregory having a conversation with some unseen person. And you can hear two voices on the recording. I haven't heard the recording, of course, but <clears throat> that's what the Shane says, is there are two distinct voices. And one is Gregory's, who's explaining, I can't go out anymore I can't go in the forest because it scares my mom. But this second voice, which is the like disembodied voice, they don't know (laughs) where Mm -hmm. it's coming from is starting to sound agitated saying, but I keep coming here. It's your turn to come to me now, like play fair. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Gregory's mom, like before knowing she captured this on camera, she hears him talking. So she goes out, to see what's going on. And that's when she sees that the window is open Mm -hmm. and beneath the window, there are dirt and twigs on the floor as if somebody had just been in there. (laughs) I am covered in (laughs) goosebumps. 
I don't know why this story is like scaring me more than any other story you've ever told. I'm really genuinely um, creeped the fuck out. Yeah, it has it all. Like weird children, forests, creepy children, dude. That's it. Like hands down, creepy children. Yeah, stop there. Like I know, and with like mm-hmm. evident. No, 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 no. Okay, and here's the thing. We always come back to this. Mental health is a very serious thing. A lot of these things can be explained by people who are actually severely ill mentally. Mm -hmm. I would originally have said this poor child probably has some sort of disorder, Mm -hmm. maybe schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. and is maybe making that other voice. Exactly. But the two sets of footprints because how would he have made two sets going out Mm -hmm. come back without making more prints and then walked out again exactly and then the twigs and the dirt when he had no way of getting out Mm -hmm. no 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 yeah no no no, thank you yeah that was everyone's original theory was either this is an imaginary friend or he does have some sort of deeper mental thing going on but as these things continue to happen, they're getting <laughs> more freaked out that this is a real person. Right. So, um, okay. After that with the window, um, Shane becomes way more insistent that he has to meet Thomas because this could mm-hmm. be dangerous for Gregory and right. he might just not understand. But Gregory again insists that he can't meet him because he doesn't like adults. So at some point in just trying to figure out what to do, Shane hears a story that had sort of become like an urban legend. Um, And trigger warning here for both sexual assault, Mm -hmm. incest, and suicide. Shit. So it's a lot. Um, Yeah. Okay. So the story is that a young woman in this town was impregnated by her father and to hide what he had done the father hid his daughter in a cabin in the forest where she eventually had the child and they lived in isolation basically Mm. um and after some digging around though shane finds some newspaper clippings about that very story So it Mm. was not a legend. It was actually real. And the clippings date back to the 1980s, which (laughs) if you remember, Thomas's favorite things are from the 1980s. And another interesting piece of the story is that this first article he finds is about the father um, and that man's name was Thomas. And the second article is about the woman's suicide um, after Mm -hmm. her mental health was deteriorating, being out in the forest for all that time. And And after having been raped raped. by her father. Exactly. So, and in that article, for some reason, they included a picture of the house that they had been living in, including of the Mm -hmm. inside. And in the photo, Shane notices the gaming console <laughs> that um, Gregory had no. mentioned that Thomas likes to play games Was on. it like an Atari or something? It was, it this might be wrong. It was like a Sedeca or something. I hadn't heard of it before. Oh, okay. 
It, mm, okay. Yeah, I guess it was popular in the mid '80s, but mm, yeah, okay. I don't know. So that's two odd coincidences. And so a little bit more time passes. Shane gets another frantic call from Gregory's poor mother, saying that he had bolted past her out of the house um, in the morning. Oh, wow. So like the deadbolts were unlocked because she was right. there. Daytime, but yeah. He just ran for it right past her and when she realized what was happening she went to the door and she saw another boy (gasps) so she was like oh my god this might be real like she was still operating under the assumption or maybe the hope that it was an imaginary friend but um it was real so she, of course, calls Shane, and then they call the police, but the police can't send anyone oh because Gregory is a known runaway. Um, right. And they're like, he'll be what back. A stupid rule. What I a know. stupid fucking rule. <laughs> I know. That's so dumb. What yeah. if there's a child and a physical living child out there in harm? Right. Like, I, yeah. In harm's way? That's awful. Yeah. I know. Stupid rules. But... Yeah, thankfully, Shane and the mom don't accept that. So they go out. They're able to find more footprints and follow it, Mm -hmm. follow them into Mm -hmm. a clearing in the woods where they find a rundown cabin that's basically in ruins at this point. Um, And they see Gregory leaning against the wall of this cabin asleep. So (laughs) when they enter this clearing... Shane says he starts to hear really loud crying, like, surrounding them. Not coming from a specific direction, but just Mm -hmm. all around them. Everywhere. Yeah, almost as if it's inside his head, but everyone else hears it as well. So Shane goes over to Gregory to wake him up, and he asks him, where is Thomas? And Gregory points to a spot that's kind of behind Shane, So he turns and he actually sees a little boy um, standing in the trees, like kind of a good distance away. So he turns back to Gregory to say something. And then suddenly, like in a inhumanly fast (laughs) flash, Mm -hmm. Thomas is standing next to them. So he came over somehow super fast and he doesn't say anything, but Shane is just looking into his eyes and trying to register <laughs> what's even happening. Yeah. And then suddenly there's a look on Thomas's face. It's just a flash of either fear or some sort of realization. And he just disappears. And he, Shane said it looked as if Thomas had had something like wrapped around his waist and then it got yanked backwards into the forest. What? <laughs> yeah. So he was gone. Oh. Yeah, I know. And at this point, like, they're just, yeah, awestruck. I don't, that's not even the right word. <laughs> yeah, how do you even, like, as a human, like a rational yeah. human, how do you even, like, process yeah. that what i don't know i would love i think he did write a book actually i should have looked Ooh. this up first but i think he did um i'll look it up after but oh yeah could be interesting I'd love to read that that's yeah. so interesting yeah so 
last little piece. Um, after that happens, they leave the forest and a few days later, they're still trying to process and Shane is visited by a local priest whose name is mm-hmm. Father Malone. He's called Father Malone. And in Shane's investigation of that story about the young woman who was forced to live in the forest and was raped by her father, um, Father Malone's name had come up as somebody who might have more information. Oh, interesting. And yeah, actually, Shane had tried to speak with Father Malone earlier in the story, but um, he declined to speak with him for whatever reason. So during this visit with Father Malone, after the forest incident, he says, Mm -hmm. I have to come clean about something. The young woman in that story, I knew her. And she had confided in me that she was having violent thoughts about harming her child. Whoa. So, <laughs> Father Malone, because, because like, of the this... articles didn't say, because the second article that talked about her unaliving herself didn't mm-hmm. talk about her child, right? Um, I believe it mentioned that she had a 10 year old son. But they mm, didn't okay. give his name or any information what about to him. Yeah, okay. what happened. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, and that's actually kind of important. Like, even though he was mentioned in that article, um, no one really believes that she actually had a child. Um, they oh kind of thought God, this poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I know. I think it must have been because she was her mental health was suffering, and so people mm-hmm. made assumptions about her and thought that her saying she had a son was a figment of her imagination. But um, it was real. She did have a son, and Father Malone had seen him and knew. Yeah. And he had been paying them visits because the mom, you know, with these violent thoughts, he wanted to lend an ear. He didn't know what else to do other than listen. Mm -hmm. And so one of the days that he went to visit her, she came out of the house covered in blood. And she confessed, excuse me, that she had murdered her son. Oh, no. And so Father Malone goes to tell the police and they never investigate um, because they... the 80s? Like, come on, guys. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, I know. So they never investigated um, because I can't... Let's see. Maybe... No, he wouldn't have waited. I think it was right after this happened that he told them, but I was wondering if maybe he waited to tell for whatever reason until she committed suicide. Um, I don't know, but either way they didn't investigate and there we go. So father Malone tells Shane at this time that he is certain that what they've been seeing and experiencing is the ghost of that young woman's child named Thomas. So so did Malone confirm that he was also named Thomas after the father? Well, he didn't say that, but he was like certain that this little boy that that just, was him. yeah, it was him. I mean, he and, may not have even received a name. 
could have just yeah. been the only family name. So it's true. That. Yeah, it's very possible. Dude. But yeah. What so, a like, just devastating story. Like that whole thing is just so awful. Yeah, at every turn. But yeah. then a few days after that, Father Malone and Shane and the family went to hold a vigil for Thomas and sort of blessed the area. And he was clear to say it's not an exorcism. Like they weren't mm -hmm. <laughs> thinking he was a demon or anything. They were just right. trying to give Thomas closure from this life yeah. and also Gregory closure from his experience. Mm -hmm. And Thomas never came back after that. And Gregory started to feel better. <laughs> so Whatever they that did is had worked. So wild. Yeah. <laughs> Have you? Do you remember that episode? No, I, I don't know that I listened to it. I don't know that I'm that far because I like <laughs> when I started a new podcast. I start at the very beginning, so mm -hmm. I don't think I've made it up to that episode yet. Okay, I think it was in like season two. So, Okay, I think I'm just in season one still. I listen to so many of these like, yeah. <laughs> podcasts. I like Keep can't up. get caught up. Yeah, <laughs> no. I know. Yeah. But oh my god, that's the story. I it's intense one. <laughs> that's a, that's like wow. I yeah. am a little bit speechless, which yeah. is unusual. <laughs> yeah, as you all know. I mean, you can see how that sticks with someone. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten chills like that. Yeah. And it's also like, you expect for someone who's a social worker. I think I, I just, I associate like certain occupations with being pragmatic, like beyond what anybody else mm -hmm. normally is, like whatever your default, the deep, the average is, I just envision them being on like the farthest end of that spectrum yeah. mm -hmm. because they see horrible shit, real yeah. horrible mm -hmm. shit that is physical and pragmatic in this world yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. And that just makes me think like the mom saw it, Gregory saw it, Shane saw it. Yeah. And for Shane, Oh my God. Like to be an adult, to be a <laughs> mm -hmm. child is one thing because I think you're not quite certain about what's even physically possible. Mm -hmm. But to live your whole life to adulthood believing in like the laws of physics. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then to have yeah. this thing happen in front of you, like I think that might drive me insane. Like, right. I think if that happened, I would be like, oh, I've lost my mind. Yeah. I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Like that's it for me. Right. <laughs> you just can't conceptualize that like what no. happened yeah and you can't rationalize it yeah exactly it's not rational yeah right yeah what the hell i know and yeah like you said i think Ooh. of social workers as being very like we got to solve this problem right we're here in Solutions reality oriented. yeah yeah so um, grounded in what's true and yeah. realizing that even the most horrifying things that you think normal people, regular, non-social worker people think that no way does that actually happen. They're open. Like, yeah, no, like mm -hmm. things outside of what you even think humans are capable of doing evil things. Yeah, they they do them yeah. to kids mm -hmm. like yeah, regularly. Yeah. And it's uh -huh. like, okay. Yeah. So for it to be something even beyond that is like, I know. what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
It's a crazy story. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> my, my mind is blown right now. Yeah. You should listen to the actual story. Yeah, I'm definitely going to. Shane has the most beautiful Irish accent. Of course. I was just thinking of this whole thing told with him. And also the little boy having an Irish accent. I'm like, sweet angel, no, leave Gregory alone. I know. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Well, there we go. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Yep. I'm revving up over here. All right, guys. Time to take a fucking hike. Um, <laughs> will that be the episode title? Uh-huh. Probably. Um, okay, so one of mine is maybe paranormal, maybe not. It's one you and I, Amy, have invested a lot of time in looking oh. into in the past. It is the Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh, yeah. Which is very famous now. Uh-huh. So I have that one. I have... Um, a lot of like theories about that. And then I wanted to pick a local ones. There's one Mm -hmm. called the ghost road that's located here in Ontario um, near Toronto. And then I went in on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of organized them into different regions. Some of them don't have regions and they're just kind of miscellaneous, but I probably will just get through the ones in the Adirondacks today, Mm -hmm. just based on time, but mm-hmm. I will come back to the rest. Okay. So yeah. I also want to like kind of keep going because there was, I didn't get to like exhaust everything that there was. So mm-hmm. I think if we do like a part two, I will yeah. just like unleash. Continue. All yes. Because okay. they're really good. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So starting with the Dyatlov Pass. So buckle up babies. Okay. <laughs> so the Dyatlov Pass incident was an event in which nine Russian hikers died in the Northern Ural mountains between the first and the second of February in 1959 in very uncertain and some would say inexplicable circumstances. Yes. This was a very experienced trekking group from the Ural Polytechnical Institute led by Igor Dyatlov. So just a quick note, they named the pass Dyatlov Pass after this incident. So mm. it's called the Dyatlov Pass incident, but it's actually named for him because oh. he led this group. They huh. died near to there. So okay. it's actually not the pass where they died. It's like a little ways away, but okay. it just made sense to name that one. Yeah. So they had established a camp on the eastern slopes of, I'm going to butcher this, so I'm so <laughs> sorry for any of our Eastern European <laughs> listeners, Kalat Siakl. During the night, something caused them to cut their way out of their tent and flee the campsite while inadequately dressed for the heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures. (sighs) After the group's bodies were discovered, an investigation by Soviet authorities determined that six had died from hypothermia while the other three had been killed by physical trauma. So then they go on to detail like what actually happened to each of them. So one victim had had major skull damage, Two had severe chest trauma, and another had a small crack in the skull. Four of the bodies were found lying in running water in a creek, and three of these had soft tissue damage of the head and face. And to go into more detail, two of the bodies were missing their eyes, one was missing its tongue, and one was missing its eyebrows. Yeah, it's gruesome, so sorry, but gruesome. Mm -hmm. So the investigation concluded that a, get this, quote, compelling natural force had caused deaths. <laughs> okay. And people were like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so numerous theories have been put forward to account for the unexplained de- deaths, wow, deaths, <laughs> including animal attacks, hypothermia, avalanche, 
catabatic winds. I don't know if I'm saying hmm. that right. Catabatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has to be catabatic winds. Yeah, that sounds Infrasound, right. Infrasound, infrasound-induced panic, military involvement, or some combination of those things. So this, as a reminder, was back in 1959 when this happened. The immediate investigation after that happened around that time. So in the late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, there was a lot of negligence in that original investigation. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of details missing. Yeah. Because even reopening the case, which they did to investigate further starting in 2019, mm-hmm. they just like, there's not enough like there's no recency, right? So they can't go back and look for evidence. It's all right. gone now. Yeah. So they're going off of what they have in the original files, but there's, they already know factually, there's a lot of like objectively, there's a lot of information missing. Hmm. So they opened, Russia opened a new investigation into the incident in 2019 and its conclusions, conclusions were presented in July, 2020, that an avalanche had led to the deaths. So survivors of the avalanche, according to this report, had been forced to suddenly leave the camp in low visibility conditions with inadequate clothing and had died of hypothermia. Hmm. Later, the pass or a pass in the area was named Dyatlov Pass in memory of the group. So an examination of the four bodies originally, which is what they were investigating again, like revisiting in 2019, Mm -hmm. really shifted the narrative of the incident after originally saying it's just some natural like massive yeah. natural force uh-huh. like what does that even yeah. mean <laughs> so journalists who had reported claimed the following six of the group members died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries there were hmm. no indications of other people nearby on this part of the trail apart from the nine travelers the tent had been ripped open from within the hmm. victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal Traces from the camp showed that all group members left the campsite of their own accord on foot. Hmm. Some levels of radiation were found on one victim's clothing Hmm. to dispel the theory of an attack by the indigenous Mansi people. Because this was originally one of the like go-to accusations. Mm -hmm. Um, Vazrazdini, who was leading, I think, the investigation, stated that the fatal injuries of the three bodies could not have been caused by human beings because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. (laughs) So very interesting. Released documents contained no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs, and there were no survivors. Hmm. So again, they're always coming back to this like compelling natural force when the investigation reopens in 2019 is announced in 2020. They're like, we're sure it's an avalanche. Mm -hmm. So the points to support that theory are, um, so Andrei Kuryakov, who's the deputy head of the Urals federal district directorate of the prosecutor general's (laughs) office, very official title, Uh um, announced an avalanche to be the official cause of death for the group. Um, Later independent uh, computer simulation and analysis by Swiss researchers suggested an avalanche as the cause. So like he was the one originally who was like, I think it was an avalanche. The compelling natural force was probably an avalanche. Mm -hmm. And then when they reopened the case, they also thought it was an avalanche because they couldn't think of anything better. Yeah. One of the like very popular kind of contrarian opinions was that it was a Yeti. So the (laughs) eyes missing, the Uh eyebrows ripped off, tongue ripped out. They were like, what if it's the Yeti? Mm -hmm. So there was an American skeptic author named Benjamin Radford 
suggested that an avalanche is definitely more plausible than the Yeti. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was his theory that the group woke up in a panic and cut their way out of the tent, either because an avalanche had covered the entrance to their tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. Better to have potentially a repairable slit in the tent than risk being buried alive in it under tons of snow. Mm -hmm. They were poorly clothed because they'd been sleeping and ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow oncoming snow, which is Mm. smart. Yeah. In the darkness of night, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire, hence the burned hands, because there were burned, some of them had burned hands, Uh while the others tried to return to the tent to recover the clothing since the danger had passed. But it was too cold, and they all froze to death before they could locate the tent in the darkness. At some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead, but at any rate, the group of four whose bodies were most severely damaged were caught in an avalanche and buried under four meters or 13 feet of snow which is more than enough to account for the quote-unquote compelling natural force the medical examiner described. Yeah. Dubanina's tongue, who was the one with the tongue missing, was likely removed by scavengers and ordinary, like, predators Mm -hmm. in the area. So they think, like, an animal did that. Uh Now, why were the eyes missing? Why were the eyebrows ripped off? Uh There's still a lot of questions. And also, if there was a predator, why wouldn't they go for the rest of her? Why would they just open her mouth and take her tongue? Specifically, yeah. Seems a little weird. Uh So the contradictory evidence is the following. One, the location of the incident didn't have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. Hmm. So there we go. That's a little weird. (laughs) Compelling, yes. An avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a very wide area, especially an avalanche that would have created this much of a force. Mm -hmm. The bodies found within a month of the event were covered with a very shallow layer of snow. And had there been an avalanche of sufficient strength to sweep away the second party, the people who didn't die immediately, Mm -hmm. these bodies would have been swept away as well. So this would have caused more serious and very different injuries in the process and would have also damaged the tree line, which is very, very important detail because they were, they fled into the trees, they think, Mm -hmm. for cover. Second one, over 100 expeditions to the region had been held since the incident, and none of them ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. Hmm. Ever. Interesting. Which, like, avalanches happen in the same places over and over again yeah. because of the topography. Yeah. So, weird. Uh-huh. Very. Um, a study of the area using up-to-date terrain-related physics revealed that the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to have occurred. The, quote, dangerous conditions found in another nearby area, which had significantly steeper steeper slopes, Uh were observed in April and May when the snowfalls of winter were melting. During February, when the incident occurred, there were no such conditions. So even in the more dangerous areas at Mm -hmm. that time of year in February, it's highly unlikely there would be an avalanche. Well, number three. Analysis of the terrain and the slope showed that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche that found its way into that area, its path would have gone past the tent. The tent had collapsed from the side, but not in a horizontal direction. And it's like if an avalanche is going to hit your tent, the whole damn thing is going to (laughs) go. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Dyatlov, another thing to note, Dyatlov was an experienced skier and the much older Zolotaryov was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking. Hmm. Neither of these two men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of potential avalanche. These were not just like noobs out in the snow. These (laughs) were like 
people who had dedicated their lives to living in nature in this way. Yeah. So very weird. Mm -hmm. Footprint patterns, because they had concluded that everyone fled of their own volition from the tent on foot. Mm -hmm. Footprint patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone, let alone a group of nine people running in panic from either real or imagined danger. All the footprints leading away from the tent and towards the woods were consistent with individuals who were walking at a normal pace. (sighs) That's so creepy. It's very creepy. So (laughs) here are some of the, it it feels based on the contradictions that exist Mm -hmm. that it wasn't an avalanche. Like all the officials are saying it's an avalanche. We're sure we did multiple investigations. We're sure it's an avalanche. Uh It's like, okay, well clearly it's not. I'm not sure about that. So I'm seems kind (laughs) of sus. So other explanations that people have are this catabatic wind, which could be that seems like instead of snow, it would just be air. Like that Mm -hmm. would create that immense kind of force. It's almost like a, like a freak of nature kind of accident. Mm. Like it's one of those things that doesn't happen. It happens very rarely and it creates like intense force. That's yeah. very unusual. Mm. Infrasound is another one that like potentially some infrasound apparently can cause like to the human brain, like in, like immense panic. So mm. if they had like panicked and ran out, but again, they didn't they were run. Walking. They like yeah. casually walked out Hmm. so it's very weird and then military testing is the last one so there are a few different theories that kind of ladder up into that category um but it's just very weird and i think you know if you're if you want to go the um the like yeti route i guess (laughs) Uh what are they called the abominable snowman (laughs) no not that A, a a cryptid, a cryptid. Oh. That's a, technically a cryptid. I was on a different. Yes, the abominable snowman. Bigfoot, I love uh-huh. it. Yeti, yes. Um, it like if you want to go the cryptid route, sure, maybe the Yeti. I like it gives me spookier vibes than that. Not that cryptids and the Yeti isn't like inherently very terrifying. Yeah. It is, uh-huh. but like. You would run. If yeah. you saw a Yeti, you would <laughs> sprint away. Yeah. Like you would mm-hmm. run. Yeah. So I don't know. I just to me it feels almost like not possession, but like just something really fucking weird and unexplainable yeah. happening that just uh-huh. doesn't feel natural to me. Yeah. No, I agree. Did you say this already? And they're and like, I, oh, all sealed up. Yeah. Go, it's an avalanche. I'm tired of looking into it probably. Literally, I'm like, Finding answers. Right. Yeah. Did you say already that – is anyone's theory that somebody within the group, like, murdered people? Or was that they said it wasn't possible because the force was too strong? Yeah, the force was too strong. But here's the thing. Like – if we look back on like our exorcism episode, mm-hmm. people, I mean, there, there is, yeah. uh, there are scenarios in which people have supernatural strength. Uh-huh. Yeah. So even, even in times of crisis, like yeah. mothers lifting cars, cars to free their <laughs> children, like yeah. adrenaline will do a lot. And yeah. if you're in a like majorly like critical, like life or death situation, your adrenaline would be high. Yeah. So yes. I mean, it seems plausible to me that that's yeah. a po- at least a possibility. Right. Especially but with the I, walking part, because if they right. were with their companion, 
who for some mm-hmm. reason was like luring them or yeah, yeah I don't know. It getting them to leave that. the tent yeah. or yeah. Mm-hmm. And they say they died five to eight. So, you know, it's like, what if they were someone poisoned the rest of them or mm-hmm. what if someone just stopped? I don't know. It's really right. creepy though. Yeah. It gives me like, it gives me like very Blair witchy kind of vibes yeah. for some reason. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, dude. It is creepy. Yeah. It's creepy. And it's another one that we'll probably never really know. The truth. No, because there were, it was so negligent when the yeah. original investigation was Ugh. happening. So yeah, so, we probably will never know. Yeah. How frustrating. It's so, so I know. So <laughs> well, it's like Kristen Smart. That's yeah. another one where it's like, okay, if the sheriff's department had actually like done their job and done their due diligence, yeah. they would have found her body ages ago. Yeah. Like they would have found it probably within the year. Yeah. Right. But no. No. Bad no. job. Bad job, guys. So that's the I Love Pass incident. There are movies made about it. Um, so if you're interested, Ooh. search it online, Google it, bing it, whatever you want to use. <laughs> um Ask Jeeves. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say. If you're living if you're living in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. ask Jeeves. Yeah. Um so the next one is one that's local. And so, oh, by the way, a lot of that information is from Wikipedia. If you go to the Dyatlov Pass Incident Wikipedia page, all of the sources are listed mm-hmm. there. There have been so many books, articles, journal entries, just like endless resources. So it was yeah. just easier to go to like a consolidated source right. to get the like headlines yeah. for you guys. So if you're interested in reading more, there's so much information about it. This one is from a group called the Paranormal Seekers, and their site is theparanormalseekers.ca. So you better believe this Canadian woman is going to be heavily invested in this place (laughs) Uh and probably visiting some of these places. Yeah. So this is called the Ghost Road in Port Perry. So... I'm just going to read through like the legend of ghost road and some of their experiences. Cause they've, the paranormal seekers have visited this place multiple times and they've Ooh. had some interesting experiences. They have cool. some wild photos. <laughs> so we will be okay. posting those on our Instagram yeah. for sure. Amazing. Okay. So the legend of ghost road. So one of the best known haunts in Ontario is Googog's Islands. Hmm. I don't Scugog Island. I don't know where that is or what that is. Ghost Road, just outside the quaint village of Port Perry. This has been the site of many interesting phenomena, as well as the birth of many legends. One version of the version of the legends, one virgin, <laughs> one virgin says, <laughs> "This virgin, <laughs> go with it." Uh-huh. One version of the legend goes that sometime in or around the year of 1957, specific, a young man was testing the limits of his motorcycle on an old concession road up on the island. He was on a straightaway and pushing the engine as fast as he could. The road is short, so he soon realized he was running out of room and was quickly approaching the intersection where the ninth concession meets. About 100 meters from the south end near a large tree, he lost control and plowed into a field. He caught himself on an old, rusty barbed wire fence and was Hmm. decapitated. Yikes. Yeah. Some say his head bounced off the rock. Some Uh. also say, and there's like a a rock on the entrance to Ghost Mm -hmm. Road. 
Some also say that he simply banged his head on the rock and that it is still located. The rock that is still located oh. on the road. His head <laughs> is like not located ball. on the road. Why is it still fair. there? <laughs> <laughs> and met his end that way. So just blunt force trauma to the mm. head. It is this story that goes along with the reports of the large round white light heading down the road that when it passes you, it then turns into a small red light. So a lot of people report seeing that. Hmm. It's like one big white light like you'd see on the front of a motorcycle and then the red light in the back. Interesting. There are also, right, there are also occasional reports of the sounds of a motorcycle to accompany the light. This location was also home to a well-traveled native or indigenous footpath. So Hmm. There's always potential for some yeah. indigenous mm-hmm. energy. Right. There have been many artifacts, including indigenous remains unearthed in the immediate region with many psychics over the years visiting Ghost Road. A lot have reported that there is other strange paranormal activity that is present there. Some hmm. Durham college students went out and caught phantom lights on film. So this does exist and the light can be seen from either direction. So huh. there's a lot of photo hmm. evidence of weirdness happening in this area. And hmm. they talk about orbs in their experience. And this is kind of a teaser. When they say orbs, it's not like, <laughs> oh, that kind of looks like a dust, a uh-huh. little fleck of dust yeah. or like a bug. No, these yeah. are like, like, crystal ball size like pomelo size like they're huge undeniable yeah it's like you can't not see it It looks Mm -hmm. like lamps like you're like what is that oh those are the orbs like what what (laughs) so we'll definitely post that well yeah um for decades or possibly longer, people have been reporting strange and inexplicable phenomena occurring on Ghost Road. The most common of these is the mysterious white light, the headlight of a motorcycle, according to legend, and a smaller red light, the taillight. Other anomalous hmm. phenomena include the sighting of ghostly beings, cars being pulled forward and backwards by phantom children, Whoa. electrical, <laughs> yeah, Electrical anomalies, like stopping under the big tree or the weeping willow and have your car go dead only until Mm -hmm. it's pushed away from under it where you have to get out and push it out. Batteries draining and equipment like cameras malfunctioning. People have reported UFOs in this area. Very strange sounds, no cell range or cell phones suddenly dying even when batteries are full and other various strange occurrences. Hmm. So interesting. Um. In 1827, they also know, the town of Lindsay was founded by Mr. William Purdy and his sons, Jesse and Hazard. I'm going to name my firstborn Hazard. 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 This is my son, Hazard. Um, The town was first known as Purdy's Mills. Purdy, I'm Hazard Purdy. Like, come on. That's an excellent name. Yeah. That's great. Um, Purdy built the first dam in the winter of 1827 to power his grist mill. I don't know what a grist mill is, by the way. So if anyone knows what that is, I'm just gonna let me Google know. it. Yeah, please. The dam was 10 feet high and located on the Scugog River in Lindsay. The dam flooded the area near Port Perry, creating a lake in Scugog Island, which is the location of Ghost Road. And that's how Scugog Island was born. Hmm. So their experiences on Ghost Road have been different. They've observed the life come the light coming from the north, not the south. Most people see it coming from the south. Hmm. We've also witnessed several other beings on the road. So hmm. we'll get into their experiences. Yes. So the first one is December 5th, 2004. Our first visit to Ghost Road. The sky <laughs> was clear. Temperature was approximately two degrees Celsius, which is around like 
40-ish Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. When we arrived, one of our group members stood in front of the car, which was facing north with the headlines pointed headlights pointed at the rock and took a picture of Rachel, who's one of the paranormal, se- paranormal seekers. She took a picture with the infamous rock. We then drove up and down the road approximately four times, each time stopping along the way to take pictures. We saw the light, but it was going the wrong way. So typically mm-hmm. it's coming the other way. Mm-hmm northbound and it was coming southbound for them okay so december 6th 2004 so the next day 12 p.m cloudy damp with a slight wind zero degrees celsius when we arrived to ghost road we parked the car facing north rachel took a picture of brenda and chantelle at the rock we then drove up and down the road stopping along the way to take pictures it felt very odd this time like someone was watching us chantelle took her foot off the gas and let the car run on its own So the car's like coasting. The car somehow managed to pick up speed on a flat surface as if some (laughs) invisible force was pushing us along. So the picture that we'll share on social, this is the one with the like intense orbs. And there's actually the image of a native boy above their heads. Whoa. So I will post that. Oh, I can't wait to see. (laughs) Very weird. December 10th. So four days later, also 2004. It was about 9 p.m. Like, why are you out there at night? Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just don't. Uh-huh. Um, cloudy with light snow on the way up to the road and negative five degrees Celsius. She's getting chilly. Yeah. Um, the snow on the road was falling very gently. Sounds peaceful. Ooh, lovely. Uh-huh. We brought two cameras with us this night to see if we could catch the same images on both of them. We felt very uncomfortable for the first time on the road. Pictures came back with large blue dots. Hmm. Snowflakes do not look blue no. on film Mm-mm. or on camera. The snowfall then turned quite heavy, but only in the middle of the road. Everywhere else, the snow was falling lightly. Whoa, that's weird. weird. Yeah. So it's almost like that could just be a natural thing, but it's yeah. just kind of a weird coincidence uh-huh. when they're already feeling super uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So January 21st, so a little over a month later, 2005, It was 9 p.m. cloudy, negative 10 degrees Celsius. When we arrived at Ghost Road, Brenda and Chantel got out of the car and Rachel took their pictures by the rock. We then drove up the road where we met another car. We used a voice recorder to see if anything would be picked up. After that, we turned around and went back down the road towards the rock. When we reached the end, we turned the car around to face the other direction. Upon doing so, we all witnessed a huge yellow light hovering above the ground beside the two headlights of the other vehicle on the road. We waited around to see what it was, we suddenly all got the feeling that we needed to leave. A sense of immense fear overtook us. Hmm. At that moment, the other car that was under the huge light started flashing their headlights at us and came at a, came towards us at an alarming speed. Whoa. We all got the distinct impression that they were telling us to get the hell out of their ASAP. We turned around and put the rock behind us and proceeded to go down Pine Point Road. As we were driving away, the other car passed us. As if we were standing still, we figured from calculating our own speed that they had to be going at least over 150 kilometers per hour whoa which is like i think that would be like 90 yeah that's it's fast Uh it's going really fast the floating light that night was high enough it would have been sitting above a four by four truck and mysteriously enough not from the direction that you would normally look for the light so again Mm. it was coming southbound Mm. yeah it was really high up as if it was like in the sky so i wish they had like flagged down that other car yeah, and figured hear. out what they saw. I know. <laughs> they were probably going too fast though. Yeah. They were like, okay, well, we're not going to get here. arrested. Yeah. Follow these people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
About a month later, February 8th, 2005, 7.45 p.m., dark sky, cloudy, zero degrees Celsius. We did our usual drive up and down the road a few times to get a feel for it. We And I like I feel like at this point, like, they were so creeped out the last two times. Mm-hmm. I, like, props for going back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we they're dedicated to like the statistical yeah. significance. It sounds like, like it's like science. Seriously. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um we met up with another car and decided to park with them on the side of the road. Power in numbers. Yep. Chantel, Jay, and Rachel got out of the car and walked about fifty feet from the front of the vehicle. Rachel ended up feeling uneasy, so she turned around and got back into the vehicle. Dave then witnessed an odd experience. Dave is deaf in one ear, but heard a little boy named Daniel telling him about Ghost Road and his experiences. Hmm. When the car in front of us left, we followed. Everyone that night saw or heard something. Hmm. So Weird. In the deaf ear, he was hearing a story. Yeah, right. Like, that's <laughs> There's, very odd. Uh-huh. Something different about that. Yeah. So a few days later, February 13th, 2005, it was 9 p.m., dark, very snowy, negative five degrees Celsius. We took a friend up to the road, brave, with us that <laughs> night. Mm-hmm. While up there, we took a picture of our friend Josh on the rock. He wanted to see if anything would happen to him while on the rock to see if any of the legends were true. <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Okay, he was brave before. <laughs> now he's just dumb. Uh-huh. You don't talk don't that. poke the bear. Yeah. Josh, uh-huh. come on, Josh. Uh-huh. Um, you- <laughs> After that, we continued our drive up and down the road. It was at this time that Dave heard the little boy again. He told Dave <laughs> how they had to train themselves to be able to turn into orbs, that it wasn't as easy as it appears to humans. He also expressed a huge interest in the trucks he saw on the road. In his time, trucks did not look the way they do now. He told Dave he died at eight years old. He went into the woods to play hide and seek, and all he could remember was the landscape was completely different when he finally came out. Hmm. It was at that time that he realized he'd been dead for many years and was stuck there. Whoa. These kinds of things are where I'm like, okay, is this guy Dave just like kind of a spiritualist weirdo? But that doesn't explain the other things, though. Like, even if he is, and you just discount his experience, it's all still weird. It's still weird. Yeah. So five days later, February 18th, 2005, this was a very active night for the spirits up on Ghost Road. We caught several images um, of them. Put put it this way, it had us all creeped out. Every time we go to the road, Brenda is able to make contact with the children and other spirits. Sarah, a child spirit who talks to Brenda when we are there, says that she knows everything. She's the eldest child on the road. She is 14 and was born in Canada. Her life came to an end on the road. Brenda described her as having long brown wavy hair, brown eyes, and wore a blue blue jean jumper with a long-sleeved red shirt. The red shirt had two buttons in the middle that were left undone, and she also wore running shoes. So it's, like, very specific. Yeah. Seems like if these are, like, kind of woo-woo weirdos, like, I don't know. It's just, like, why would you include that much detail? Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip past some of these details because there's a ton. <laughs> but um, Brenda felt that if she went into the woods – to follow her because Sarah wanted Brenda to follow her into the woods to show her where her body mm. or her remains were. Yeah. And Brenda was like, I get a bad feeling about yeah. that. So Brenda said she wasn't allowed, but she could get others that would be able to. So she gave the information to the Durham Regional Police, but they don't think they ever investigated, mm-hmm. which is sad because yeah. it's like, <clears throat> if it's like a child's body, you want to recover that. Yeah. Like on the off chance, like just send a patrol car yeah. out there. Like, right. It's Why not? not a big deal. Anyway, 
Um, Brenda received a lot of information about various things that night. One in particular was about Daniel, the boy that Dave was hearing. He originally came from Ireland as an immigrant with his parents. She also confirmed 22 children were in the woods. Whoa. Like spirits of children. 22. Whoa. Yeah. At one point, we put the car in neutral to see if our car would move forward. Instead, it moved backwards as if we were on a decline. Hmm. Um, An indigenous spirit contacted Brenda saying he was sorry, but he couldn't seem to get a grip from the front of the car because the shoes he was wearing prevented prevented him from keeping his footing stable. So we did stop moving backwards, but it felt like we ran into something hard. When we got out, though, we were in the middle of the road with nothing around us. We (laughs) did find two large handprints on the back of the car. Brenda said this is the man um, who acts as a guardian for the children and wouldn't harm anyone. So it sounds like a lot of people in their group are like psychic. Yeah. Whatever. Clairvoyant. Right. Um, So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a few more instances where like their cameras caught some really weird things. Like there were lots of like weird noises and then they'd go investigate and it was just like they'd see like one time there was a weird noise and by the rock and they went to investigate it and then they walked over when they walked back to the car there was like a happy face on the car like in the dust on the car Hmm. um that was like looked like it was like it says the face doesn't look like it was drawn with fingers it looked more like a stencil or as if the shapes were like breathed out like someone like blew on it to create the shape Weird. weird um uh, before walking back to the car one night, we all witnessed a huge comet racing across mm-hmm. the sky. You could see the flame with what looked like a white wave flying off it and leaving a trail behind. This was caught on camera. Wow. So just like cool. weird kind of things. So you can see why people would think like, oh, it's a UFO. Yeah. Um, so yeah, super weird. And I really want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you wanted to go or if this is like, no, I, wanna I don't want to go, go at all. I totally want to go. Because this doesn't, that doesn't feel like, I mean, knock on wood, that just yeah. doesn't feel that, like, scary, scary mm-hmm. to me. I would not go at night. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I'm not, okay, it just, I'm, I'm not, like, not, yeah. <laughs> trying to die, right. but I'm trying to get a little, a little creeped out. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like oh, nothing dangerous, I guess. No. It's just. It doesn't. Things happen exactly. there. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm going to read two quick Adirondack stories, okay. and then I'm going to cut you guys off because I know this is a long episode. <laughs> um, okay, so these are both from Reddit. Um, pretty much the entirety of the Adirondacks can be creepy at night, despite its daytime beauty. I was camping once, and it was on a campground with campsites and outhouse bathrooms. This particular time, though, there weren't many campers, and we were away from any other occupied sites, which were way up in the hill. <laughs> I woke up with the urge to pee in the middle of the night, same. Um, every night, same. Um, the bathroom was on a hill back in the woods. You had to climb up a rock path to get to it, which, like, honestly, I would just, like, pee somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Anywhere else. One side was the women's. Other side was the men's. It had wooden doors that didn't latch, hmm. which is sus. Yeah. Um, you would just pull it, and then it would slam closed. I'm inside doing my business when I hear footsteps that are clearly human footsteps crunching on the dirt and rocks, and then it stops. Neither the men's or the women's door opens or slams. It's just silence. Then more crunching steps around the building, and then they stop. You can hear everything because it's so quiet up there. I never heard the steps walk away or down the path. When I came outside the bathroom, there was no one in sight. 
I couldn't mm. get back to the campsite fast enough. So that's not necessarily paranormal, yeah. but like you'd think if someone's out there trying to murder you, they just they like, would go do for it. it. Yeah, there are there were a ton of stories on these. I was on these like two main threads on Reddit. One was like, what's the creepiest thing, paranormal or otherwise, that's happened to you while you were camping mm-hmm. or hiking? And the other one was similar, but like a ton of them were stories like this, like going to the bathroom alone, usually women, because like, yeah, why are we always the victims? Right. But it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like usually alone and like someone trying to get in. So yeah. it's like just weird. Unless she like stopped peeing and made it seem like she wasn't in there. Yeah. I, they'd know. They'd right. know you were still in there. Yeah. So I don't know. It just seems kind of creepy and weird. Ugh, yeah. I, um, I wouldn't have been able to walk out of that bathroom. Like if yeah. the footsteps had stopped, I would have been certain that someone was waiting <laughs> outside. A hundred percent. No, I, yeah, I would have been like screaming yeah, for help. Right. I would have lost my yeah. shit. I also just wouldn't have gone alone. Yeah. I just, I would have woken someone up and if they were mad, I'd be like, well, that sucks sorry. that you're mad, but like, I'm not getting murdered tonight. Yeah. So sorry. Also, I don't camp, so yeah. I don't know why I'm even like, putting yourself in this scenario yeah yeah i'm a a hotel kind of girl Mm -hmm. um so adventurous (laughs) (laughs) okay last story from me okay okay last story ever no No. um i heard no i heard strange noises 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 I heard strange noises in the woods of the Adirondacks that I had never been able to identify. It was the middle of the night. I was leading a three-day hike for my summer camp. I've got 12 8- to 10-year-old girls, a foreign counselor from Kazakhstan, and a 16-year-old CIT with me. We're staying the night in a lean-to and some tents on the side of the mountain. At about 1 a.m., one of the girls in the lean-to yells over to our tent to let us know she heard something in the woods. I came fully awake to a loud, low breathing sound like a long slow exhalation of breath almost a deep sighing Hmm. it was really loud and very close by i get out of the tent and i can't see anything i'm flashing my my flashlight around the girls had all woken up and were freaking out so i have to carry the two in our tent to the lean-to because they're too frightened to walk the 10 feet in between we all pile into the lean-to and the sound continues moving around the camp it lasts for hours it sounded Whoa. angry and persistent and continuously circled us. I told sor- stories and sang songs to try and distract the girls, but every time the sound would come, they would all start crying again. As soon as the sun came up, we packed everything and got the hell out of there. I was 18 at the oh. time and was terrified myself. Yeah. The girls were nearly hysterical and our foreign exchange counselor was losing all composure. I got yelled at by the camp director for bringing the girls back, but there was no way I was going to spend another night on that site. No. We were sent to a different site closer to camp. Um, it had to be some animal, but I listened to all of the animal noises I can think of that are native to the area and none of them matched the sounds I heard last night. Whatever <sighs> it was, it was scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> that is really off-putting yeah and my thought was like i've heard that what is it mountain lions and like cougars i think their vocalizations are really frightening to hear and people think it's like a monster Mm -hmm. but it sounds like they would have listened to what that would sound like online and it did not match but like a low deep like (sighs) yeah sound i would be so scared (laughs) that sounds demonic af yeah that really does Oh okay, so I have more stories for next time. Okay. But so yeah, we'll have to do a continuation of this. I don't know if we'll do a part two of the hiking or even just like outdoorsy yeah. hauntings mm-hmm. or if I'll just follow up on these, but we will figure it out. 
we'll get back to you guys. Yes, I know. I mean, in a week, I saw so many more that we could do. So we mm-hmm. could just go for a part two. Yeah, let's do it. All right, okay. all in part two. Okay. Um, amazing. Well, stay spooky, guys. Um, yes. Follow us on social at uh-huh. Girls Gone Spooky <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram, uh-huh. and email us your scary stories. Are yeah. there any hikers out there? Hello, the <laughs> hikers. Tell us your spooky hiking stories, uh-huh. even if they're not paranormal. We still want to hear them. Yes. So email us. We love you. Stay healthy. Stay yes, safe. Stay healthy. And most of all, stay, stay spooky. spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.